0: Hey everybody, welcome to Snark Monkey number 22 with Camilla Cleese. I'm talking to you somewhat softly from the Snark Monkey headquarters here along the Miracle Mile in Los Angeles because uh, it's kind of early, I'm getting this done early, and I'm considerate because I don't want to wake up my neighbors. (laughs) Yeah, I'm in my room, in my office, but I share a wall with somebody. I never hear them, and these walls are solid but I'm still a scared. So I'll talk a little softly. So just listen, listen carefully. So um Camilla Cleese, uh, I took an improv class with Camilla a couple of years ago. She had studied in Chicago and then she came out and she was doing the UCB program. Um And you immediately you're struck by the fact that one, she's six foot one. So she's uh, not only is tall, well, taller than most women, but also taller than a lot of the men in any average room. So that's one thing you notice. And then you get to that last name and you're like, huh, Cleese, that is not the most common name. And it turns out, yeah, she's the daughter of Monty Python's John Cleese, one of the great funny people of all time. So naturally, It's probably in your DNA, right? But how much pressure is that to actually try and break into the world of comedy with that name? Is that a drag? Does it help you maybe at first? Is it more pressure? It's probably a little bit of all those things. But that's not all of Camilla's story. She grew up... In a bunch of different places, she had a somewhat privileged life. She went through a period of modeling, of hard partying. She's kind of done it all, and at this point, is just beginning to break into the world of stand-up comedy, and that already has its own level of heartbreak and pressure and problems and darkness. <laughs> we kind of cover it all. Great conversation, and uh, just it would be fascinating if it were just about a young female six foot one stand-up comic trying to break in but throwing that extra layer of oh yeah she happens to have a ridiculously famous dad well, how does how does that alter the landscape you'll find out here we go oh by the way uh, camilla is always performing around town in southern california check out her website camilla Uh and the most pressing thing as I record this would be the sixth annual Laughing Skull Comedy Festival in Atlanta that starts on March twenty fifth and she is on the bill. And you can follow her on CamillaCleese.com, and we get to all that information at the end of the podcast. Enjoy Camillacleese. It's Snark Monkey number twenty two. Hi, Camilla. Hi. All
1: right.
0: So, (laughs) are you prepared now?
1: I didn't know if we'd started. No, we've
0: we've started officially right now.
1: Right, like now. Like now. now, Yes. Like like what I said. Hi. What's
0: what's what's in your notebook? What are you? Are you journaling? What are you doing? Uh, Are those com? Are are you? Oh no, it's
1: usually random thoughts I have that I think might become jokes. Yeah. But if anyone ever found this, it would be mortifying because some. Well, just some of my thoughts before they're actual jokes. Like, just, Can
0: you share one? Can you just pick one out there? That or, it would make best, no sense to us, but...
1: I, I think the set lists are funnier. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> short friends, I'm a man, pituitary gland, <laughs> average height children, sell them to the NBA. Uh, <laughs> short men are evil. <laughs> You must be at least five foot ten to ride this ride. Um, I
0: like that. That's um, a punchline, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Unless you're super rich, uh, <laughs> that's not written down here. Real life Tinder. Um, Tinder hookers, a hundred dollars. <laughs> My parents have been married forty two years. Tumbleweed, stepmom, Lucifer.
0: What the hell is tumbleweed reference?
1: Oh, because I, I – actually, one of my favorite bits I do, I, I say, uh, it's really impressive. My parents have been married for almost 42 years now to seven different people, but still, yeah, you know, <laughs> Like, not at the same time. We're not Mormon or anything like that. But if most people have a family tree, we have a family tumbleweed. Ah. Yeah, it just keeps rolling along, picking up dirt and debris. Nobody knows how they're related to anyone else. We just know not to fuck each other. <laughs> Because we're not Mormon. Yeah. So that's the tumbleweed.
0: That's great. So this is very kind of... Do most comics still use like pen and paper and do this very kind of organically? Well... As opposed to putting it on their iPhone and looking at it later in the little notes section or the whatever?
1: I definitely refer... Like I'll sometimes write notes in my phone because it's too dark in the room to write down, but... I find that I tend to come up with ideas more if I'm writing a pen. For some reason, I think because I can type so fast that like my brain gets or my fingers get ahead of my brain rather than vice versa. Right, if that right. makes sense, it's yeah, like yeah. giving my mind time to process and think of more stuff. I don't know. I might uh, have just totally made that up. No, no. I think that's why why I do it. Um, and yeah.
0: Yeah, one of the things that strikes me about for the people who are maybe just hearing your voice for the first time, as a uh, up and coming stand up, mm-hmm. because you are kind of out there in the trenches. You're doing. You were just describing to me a second ago what you went through tonight at the comedy store, which just made my chest tight. Just, to, <laughs> just hearing about it's it, brutal. But people who don't know you, you made a bunch of references here in the set list. First of all, how tall are you?
1: Six one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And, and a quarter. But and that's, at a certain point, who cares? <laughs> and that's with no
0: shoes on. You yeah. are six foot one, and that is unusual for a girl.
1: Uh, y- yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So you spent ho- your whole life towering over... Everyone. Pretty much everyone. Pretty much, yeah. Um Pretty much most of the men in your life. Yeah. Yeah? Except for your father. Uh,
1: yes. He's, All right. He's big. All
0: right. And let's man. get that out of the way, too. Your father is... Bernie Mac. Yeah.
1: Wow. Wow. <laughs>
0: See that is not what I expected. Uh, um, and he was god he was great and I can see where you got a lot yeah. of your your uh, yeah comedic I look more from. like
1: my mom. But um
0: <laughs> your father is your father <laughs> is uh your father is fricking comedy royalty. Uh your father is John Cleese. Uh, of Monty Python. Yes. Everybody knows
1: it as far as I know.
0: And um, <laughs> has he no not he done has. the DNA testing yet or uh, I
1: I think it's quite apparent um when you hear us talk where were you born? London. Yeah, I was there first half, third of my life.
0: Uh, but didn't affect any. Did you have any kind of British uh, affectations? Yeah. yeah, very thick. British Does it accent. come out
1: occasionally when I fight with my dad, or if I'm back in London? I can still do a British accent. But I moved here at an age where I just wanted to fit in, and already I had my six foot gangly leg.
0: So you moved here body. as a teenager. I, like Ish.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think I was 11, but then I was still going back and forth, you know, three months for the summer there yeah. and then back here. So I was sort of doing both for a while. Um, but kids are mean. Yeah. And if really you're really hit- mean,
0: if you're hitting gawky adolescence, you don't want to be a six foot. British no. accent. No. Teenager I was two years California. young for my grade. I yeah. played the
1: cello. I rollerbladed to school with my cello. Oh dude. But like I had those rollerblades where the bearings don't really move, so you just kind of like walk on them. But... Did
0: you want to get beaten up and yelled at? Is that the I think my
1: parents wanted me to, apparently. <laughs> um yeah, I was a real real dork, real painfully dorky outcast. Of
0: a kid. Now, you are not alone in because you anybody who wants to Google Camilla Cleese will see it right away. You do have modeling in your background, and you have model looks, you have model height, and you have model face, and almost all. Thank you. Well, you do, and all, all, all almost all models will say at one point that they had that kind of upbringing. Nobody believes it that they were completely you know gawky and outcast and uh, i think
1: it varies i mean i was i'm especially tall even for like the modeling world and being i think being british in in america like moving at that age is pretty shocking because i i went to a school that was all girls sister school to where the princes went and it was like tons of rules very uptight like we couldn't talk during recess everything was organized like they still hit us sometimes like it was very formal and then i moved to this artsy fartsy like call your teachers by their first name chicago laid back school and i was like help (laughs) like i apparently came home and said to my mother Mommy there's not enough rules um cuz I just felt so oh Camilla needed structure yeah. yeah um and you know plus of course like I asked someone could I borrow a rubber which in England means a eraser <laughs> and they're like ah, you're a slut and I'm like what's a slut I have no idea you know so I learned to fake the American accent, and then when I realized how much it pissed off my dad, it stuck.
0: <laughs> ah, yeah. that was just, so. The rebellious streak. When did that hit?
1: Um, I think I was birthed with oh a little bit of that. Really? Well, I was more under control as a kid. Uh, well, maybe not. I don't. Well,
0: know. I don't know if, if, if
1: in my family it's it's not so much rebelliousness as just sort of playfulness or like (laughs) we all mess with each other that's sort of how we relate to each other and and you know we're only nice to people we don't like you've
0: you've already uh, just in this little kind of microcosm of describing your life thus far and you're not that i mean you're still really young you've already done stuff i mean you've done so many Uh, things and been so many places and have so many experiences already it's kind of crazy uh,
1: yeah, I mean I definitely feel like sometimes when I meet people who are my age but they grew up and they lived in the same town their whole life and their parents are together and like it's just – it's such a different way to – I I saw so much and like now I, I look back at it and I think it's awesome because it made me who I am and like it it was crazy like to live as many places as i did and you know go to as many schools but like it it gives you a different outlook on the world which for comedy certainly has been very beneficial gotta help Um, well
0: i mean most comedians and most stand-up comedians if you want to generalize their they they have dark terrible childhoods that they're trying to work out almost every time they go up on stage oh yes i mean and and I mean they can be great and they can be fun people to be around and they can be wonderful friends and all that but there's stuff going on right
1: Yeah I mean I think you develop a sense of humor usually as a coping mechanism or a defense mechanism like as a as a way of making light of things that are painful um and You know, that would make sense uh, if you look at... Because it's certainly true. I mean, the stereotype, like, a lot of comics battle with depression and they had messed up childhoods for one reason or another. But I think it also is a way to... Well, it's a way to survive, really. I mean, if you can laugh at death or abuse or whatever, which... Okay, maybe not abuse, but... (laughs) Let's laugh at abuse. I, I don't know, but like the, it's a way of of sort of glass half full but it, even though it's not like right. it's just making things funny because I'd much rather laugh than cry. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um and
0: Well, it's I mean, I guess there's that old formula about um the comedy equals pain plus time. Is that am I getting that right? And uh-huh. uh, and Pretty keep pretty much comedy is based on the stuff that people go through every day. That's hard to deal with, or, or I mean, obviously there is mundane stuff that can be funny, and there is observational right. stuff. But most of the time, it's relationships, uh, love, and breakup, and difficulty, and family, and and all and those craziness.
1: Things. But stuff yeah. that you can relate to, yeah, yeah. absolutely. absolutely. That everybody
0: has to go through, and that you get to make light of it. But w- at what point? I mean, you it almost anybody else would say you are nuts to try and go into comedy. Did did you not feel the pressure of coming from
1: Oh yeah. The, yeah I mean, you, I, mean uh, I avoided it. I never really thought of myself as being funny, I don't think. because um, when you grow up in a household full of it wasn't just my dad, like there were comedy writers and and lawyers and um <laughs> like basically all professional liars i don't know why i pointed out lawyers other than for that reason but um like all people that were messing with each other and you know but comics don't laugh at each other's jokes like there there's an old joke which is like how does a comic laugh and it's like by saying that's funny mm-hmm. you know um so i mean i kind of knew I was funny but like that was just a normal family to me. I didn't realize that my dad was like a comedy legend until a lot later in life. Right. Um, and I, I always thought I was going to ride horses professionally. Cause that's all I did when I was a teenager and up until my early twenties. And I did go pro for a little bit, but like um, then my dad was like, Oh, I wasn't joking about going to college. And I was like, really? Oh, fuck." <laughs> so I tried to go to university and, in England? No, in Santa Barbara.
0: Oh, okay. Well, you, um, you referred to it as university, so I thought you were back, we were back in England again.
1: Uh, well, um, yeah, I guess... We don't do that That's always here. confused me, though. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess... Because city college, like because I was in Santa Barbara, where they have two schools, they have UCSB and right. Santa Barbara City College. I would say university to distinguish the two when I lived there. And I'm just I talking about the mind. just the
0: the but, yeah. dropping of the. I mean, you call it university and hospital, uh, and we call it basically just going to college and going to the the hospital. So yeah. we, we it's that the that, that that threw me off the lack thereof. Oh, of right. the
1: not the yes, the actual work yes you went to university so that was totally worthless so
0: you went to UCSB
1: <laughs> I occasionally uh,
0: uh, sort of <laughs> uh, already uh, with a pretty big designation as a party school just by the sheer nature of where it is even though right. it has a certain respect in certain departments for it yeah, but... I
1: think it is what you make of it and I just didn't make very much of it but gotcha. like I you know once I stopped writing that had become my entire identity I think and That was really hard to go from being on a horse six and a half days a week from like four in the morning till seven at night to suddenly being in a classroom again and having like, you know, a few classes a week that I didn't even have to go to. Like there was no no one taking attendance, which to me is like... (laughs) Again, why
0: no structures. Like,
1: why would you go? Yeah. Even?
0: So, and why even bother? What did you have a, a field of study that you were starting to focus on at least?
1: I started in chemistry because I thought I wanted to be a large animal vet, so I could remain with the horses, and that was a really bad idea because I don't do well with blood and with horses, everything is ten times bigger, and I learned that the hard way. Oh, um, no. <laughs> that's the brief version. But okay. uh, I don't want to. And that chemistry story. is also really hard.
0: Uh, Yeah, there's like math and stuff.
1: um, Yes, math, and I didn't really have friends at school because by the time I'd started, I deferred for three years, so I was older and thought I was like, you know, too mature and sophisticated, which is a complete baloney. Looking (laughs) back, did I just say baloney? You said uh, baloney. Um, but I sort of jumped around. Then I was in economics and i've always been quite book smart so i got decent grades i just i couldn't find anything that really like excited me right and um
0: so when did the idea of actually trying to do this for a living kind of come into play? Because you also had, you, like I mentioned, the modeling thing, that must have come in at some point, but just because you were tall and you were in Southern California and people must have been saying, oh, you should take some pictures and get well, that out Well, I there. did,
1: I kind of did that, but more out of New York because okay. I have a more New oh, York Oh God, look. I
0: cannot keep up with you, Camilla Jesus. <laughs> I,
1: I don't even, like the timeline gets so...
0: How can we just get a number? How many different cities have you called home, ish?
1: Like maybe seven. Yeah, or so.
0: Can we say how old you are? Do you care?
1: No, I'm I'm thirty. Okay. For another week. (gasps) Oh, yeah. Happy birthday! Thanks.
0: Um, yeah, thirty years. I mean, that's nothing. And uh, talking about all the things, the places you've hopped around.
1: Well, and even when I lived somewhere, I never really lived there. I was always on the road because right. with the horses, it was 40 weeks a year we were competing um, for a lot of a lot of the time I did that. Uh, so I was living out of a suitcase in motels for a lot of it. And then stand-up, it's funny, ironically, of course, I was like, well, I don't really want to be doing that anymore anyway, so I can... <laughs> So now and you get into, um,
0: get into a business that basically has you on the road pretty much all the time. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I haven't done a ton of it yet. Um, I, I've been touring some, you know, an opening for people, but because I'm not a headliner, I'm not.
0: But that's what you'll, I mean, when you get to a certain level, right. if you get to the level you want to get to, yeah. that's what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. But I, you know, I, but you're used I to love that. doing stand-up, yeah. though, and it's, it's. Uh, it's less dangerous, certainly, <laughs> like i'm I haven't broken any bones since I started doing stand up, which is yet right <laughs> actually, Brody Stevens broke his ankle walking off stage one night, which was
0: yeah but but with Brody, <laughs> was there anything else going on there was oh it... it's Brody, yeah, you know, I mean he's he just the best, does, he doesn't do anything normally, that's for sure no he's
1: uh-huh. he's not a normal guy, but he's brilliant <laughs> and awesome because of that uh. Yeah, I don't know how that, that happened. I did cut myself on a podcast once, but that's about as dangerous as it's, as it's gotten. I,
0: uh, we keep all the sharp uh, objects actually tucked away here for I that very that. reason. Yes, it's all rounded corners.
1: I'm wearing a helmet right now. You even <laughs>
0: You're just banging yourself into <laughs> the just, microphone.
1: They just wanted to be, be sure.
0: <laughs> so at what point did you think that you could do this then? When, when did you realize that you were funny from the standpoint of, oh, I might be able to be a pro at this?
1: Um, well, pretty much like as a kid, a lot of times I sat in while my dad was working on scripts or writing with his writing partner, cause I found it entertaining. And then they came to a point when I was a teenager that they were working on a couple of scripts that were animated features for kids kind of. And I was able to sort of contribute, um, just cause I am in touch with children I mean, that sounded creepy as fuck. Uh, sorry, uh, but you know, like I was like, <laughs> yes, please explain 16, yourself. Sixteen at the time, maybe, and and you know, my dad doesn't know a pop culture reference from the last forty years. Probably, um, he recently discovered the Kardashians, which like i I envy him oh. for for having survived that long without was knowing. Was he able who they were. to
0: wrap his brain around what that oh, is? and
1: he's just horrified. I'm like, well. <laughs> We've been horrified for eight, <laughs> ten years yeah, now. Um, yeah.
0: So catch up.
1: But, yeah. So I kind of enjoyed doing that. And then um, I my dad got a role on Will and Grace. Actually, I got him the part, which I... Uh, I'm sorry? What? Well, I used to ride horses with Jimmy Burrow's stepdaughter, uh, who directs Will and Grace. Right. And I... I was a total smart ass as a kid, but I remember my dad had just done these vacuum cleaner infomercials in Canada (laughs) and the company had like gone bankrupt or something. And so I was sitting at the horse show next to Jimmy and at one point I was like, Jimmy, I need a new horse. You got to give my dad a job. So like just being a total brat and totally joking, by the way, like just (laughs) like you know, I have immense respect for Jimmy. He's an incredible director. Totally kidding when I said this. But he was like, uh, oh, that's funny. We're actually looking for someone to play Minnie Driver's dad. <clears throat> and it like casting-wise, no-brainer. Hello, yeah. And they worked together on Cheers. Right. And my dad got a, I think, won an Emmy for that performance. He did, performance, yes. Which once got taken from a party I threw in high school. Um <laughs> But thankfully recovered. You, you, <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Never said that out loud before.
0: Seriously? So where did the Emmy go?
1: Oh, uh, someone had taken it from, like, I threw a kegger at, at his house. Like, his offices were in this building. Oh. Long story short. Uh, I think they didn't realize it was, like, a real Emmy. Yeah. Like, you know how you can buy those, like, fake ones for people? I don't know how they didn't realize you know, it wasn't someone I knew, but thank God for MySpace cuz we like posted this thing <laughs> on MySpace being like has anyone seen an Emmy? It's a- <laughs> and I we managed to get it back, thankfully. <laughs> oh my god. I have a
0: feeling they might have known what it was.
1: It's very possible. Yeah. Um I was very drunk that entire episode and panicky. Um <laughs> Actually, I don't think my dad would have even noticed. He's so oblivious usually, but but I'm glad I found it.
0: So uh, I got distracted by the Emmy story. Um, uh, so, you, so you helped him get oh, the job so, on, on Will and & Grace, and, then, and you always felt like you were kind of funny and you were always around comedy people. being created and, and you were hearing stuff, but there
1: must have been... Well, and then, so the reason I told that Will & Grace story... I then uh, was kind of interested in writing at that point, And my dad w- got me through Jimmy and sort of internship on the writer's room of Will and Grace just for like the last couple of months of the the last season, I guess it was. Um, and I just remember thinking, wow, this is a really cool job. Like I would. I mean, I wasn't doing much or c- contributing anything, obviously. But, like, I would sit in there and just laugh. And, like, they rolled in at, like, 11 a.m., you know, which is way more my schedule than, like, <laughs> 6 a.m. And they'd, like, read the tabloids for an hour and break for lunch. And not to say they don't work very hard. Like, I'm. these are the days where they're just pitching jokes or right, whatever. Right, right. Um, just the writer's room and they, where there's just yeah, a lot of stuff flying around. there's 18 writers, and they're just making fun of each other But because they're all, like— Small Jewish gay guys. It then turns into jokes for the script a lot of times, and like, and I had never laughed so hard. Like these were the most brilliant, brilliant comedy writers. So it was really incredible. But I was like, wow, if that could be a, that's a job I could do. Right, right. Like they've been trying to beat this bad attitude out of me all my life, and I could actually utilize it for something (laughs) productive and maybe get paid. Like that's awesome. And then I wound up. My dad, was at the time, had just been asked to do a one-man show to tour New Zealand, and um, he asked if I wanted to help him write it, and I think both of us were surprised at um, how much I contributed. Like, I I think I was sort of expecting to make the coffee and keep him company, but we wound up working really well together, and I got to learn so much. I mean, what better you, personal tutor to have
0: could you always make him laugh just yeah. be, by being like silly or goofy or making fun of him or or telling jokes or yeah or, and we have or, a very you had your own kind of rapport very
1: similar mind like i you know i have him in like the genius genius category i don't claim uh. to be anything like that but like you know we finish each other's thoughts a lot like we process information the same way and um so writing together goes r- really well because it if i say one idea even if it's not a good idea it might trigger something in his mind and then um and it's a very we have a great relationship so it's always very fun and mm-hmm. um and kind of easy going and uh i mean we do occasionally argue <laughs> over stuff which um But not that often. Like, we pretty much agree we have a very similar sense of humor. We get very dark very quickly, which (laughs) is sometimes problematic because people are like, you can't do this in public. And we're like, oh, yeah, we can. (laughs) And my dad's like, you know, fortunately, because he has a following and an audience already, um, it's a lot easier for him to get away with those things, which I've had to learn the hard way and stand up because I walk on stage and people don't know me or like me or you know they actually probably quite the opposite when they first see me so no, wait
0: why would you why would you think that um just or just, just that an audience is naturally putting up walls to anybody new that they don't know yet or is it is it because you well they think of and, you- and
1: especially because you know i think comedy is a lot easier if you look like a troll like let's be real <laughs> you know it, um and I've never thought. Yeah, if
0: you're naturally have a funny look, and so there's immediately or you're a persona. like four
1: hundred pounds, like people expect you to be the funny guy, or right. like, and um, I've never thought of myself as anything that special, but like especially, a I'm a woman, which there's a stigma women aren't funny, like right. unfortunately that, that still, still comes exists. Up. right, and there so there's that slight um, preconceived notion that already I'm not going to be funny, and then. Especially, and you're
0: st- so you're still feeling that. I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I know that that discussion is still out there, and I believe that it exists. But I also think that we are in a time where we can point to enough funny women that I would think people. I mean, Sarah Silverman jumps off the top. Of, you know, it's, uh, Whitney Cummings is out there working. There, there are good. It's a great solid, time. Funny stand up and great comic actresses out there, but you still, even in the. Fraternity of standups, yeah, the, amongst the male comedians themselves, it's well, what I hear is that it's, that still exists. That it,
1: it does. I mean, I, I think it's probably a lot better than it was, but there's still a lot of misogyny too. Like, mm. you know, and I don't even care at this point. It's like you just learn to deal with it if you're right. going to be in this game, and you, you know, you try to uh, deal it back whenever possible. Right. But well, do you? Do but you, if you get too easily offended, you're not going to last a second, right? You know. Um, well,
0: but you, it sounds like you also just embrace it in your stand-up. I mean, if you're immediately going to recognize, and you you have to, right? I mean, you have to you have to point out the height, uh, the way you look, who you are, that you're a woman. You have to have a take. So is it?
1: I feel like I have to be quite self-deprecating off the top to win them over because a lot of times people would see someone like me and be like, "What does she have to complain about?" Or like, "What." She doesn't look like she'd be funny. Like that's and I get that. I mean that's it, it's just unfortunately sort of a stereotype in that exists in society. Right. But like you know, I actually like the extra challenge of that, and I don't mind poking fun at myself. Like, I would rather almost do that than anything because I I can't offend myself, you know. Um, and,
0: and but then there's also I also I, I I don't have any names and I wouldn't name them anyway. But I also think there is also the persona of the female comedian who goes up and who is actually like very attractive, and, and then makes that their character. The I know I'm attractive, so that's part of my comedy thing, and. That can be a little off putting too, because that just doesn't seem genuine or, right. or really grounded in, in it, it, it does feel like a character as opposed to who they really are.
1: And that's yeah. just me.
0: I feel I, I feel that's off putting. I
1: and I kind of agree sometimes like that's not who I am. Yeah. Like I would be uncomfortable playing that character. So like I I want people to see like I always dress down when I do stand up and like I because I'm kind of a tomboy and like I'm not what people probably first expect when I open my mouth. Like they, a lot of people I think assume that I'm gonna be like, "Hey, oh my God, hi, what's that? <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to be here." And that's like not really how I am. <laughs> thank, and also, thank like
0: God, that's not who you are. A lot it. of
1: the young female comics are going really dirty, like really right. blue, really. Like sexual, it's like, you know, right off the bat, vaginas and anal sex is like, and I can't even say those words without giggling (laughs) and I'm 30, so, (laughs) but I also, I find it's more of a challenge to get laughs when you are being clean. Plus, like you, for TV, you have to be clean a lot of times, like, so... Well, I, I also... try to go more the opposite way. Like, I don't do any sexual material. I don't talk about dating. I don't, I try to stay away from all the stuff that people expect me to talk about. Right. Just because I think, like, that contrast makes it funnier, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. It,
0: well, it's just... It, you want to
1: surprise them. It sounds
0: like the other way, though, is the easy way out. It, 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 if they expect me to be the ditzy blonde, then I'll be the ditzy blonde and see if I can get the material in there. But, but if you throw them a curveball, then immediately they're put off guard in a good way, I would think, because right. you, you're you not what they expect or they think is going to be the cliché. right? And then you just have to back it up with good material. Yeah. <laughs> that's the challenge. That,
1: that's the challenge. Yeah. But, but also, I mean, when... I find that from like an audience member's perspective, if a comic is doing really blue material, it will elicit laughter, but it's an uncomfortable laughter. It's not like a really enjoyable laughter from the audience. A lot of times it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, I can't <laughs> I can't believe they said that. And I'm going to laugh because I don't want everyone else to think I'm a weirdo. Right, you know? right. And well, I, I feel like we've
0: heard everything by yeah, now,
1: right? Pretty much. I, I mean, I, unless it's super smart. Like I think Amy Schumer does it really well yep. when she goes there. She's brilliant.
0: That's where I was going to go because she. But again, I feel like that's her. I feel like I'm I'm seeing totally. her,
1: and she's so comfortable with it. Right. And a lot of the women you can tell just aren't that comfortable with it, but they're mm-hmm. doing it to get this shock value, laughter. And I would rather elicit like a a really genuine laughter because something's funny. Because I think the audience enjoys that more at the end of the day. Yeah. Um,
0: so how much do you feel like you're still kind of poking around to kind of find that sweet spot? I mean, do you feel like you've nailed your material in terms of the kind of thing you you want to talk about, you're going to talk about? Or is it, are you still yeah, feeling out areas? I mean,
1: I think because I had, I'd written for such a long time before I started actually doing stand-up. Like I kind of had a voice. um, I mean, I definitely had to transition out of like my dad's voice used to be in the back of my head. And I'd be like, well, no, I'm not going to say indeed in that joke. You know, (laughs) it wouldn't, that wouldn't be me. But um, like, I am quite dark still, which again, I think is very unexpected coming from me um, and quite cerebral and not like high energy. I'm not low energy, but I'm not like in your face, like laugh. Right, Uh, right jumping around the stage. Um and sometimes I wish I was more like that, but that's just like I can't talk that fast either. <laughs> like I <laughs> I just start stumbling. Um
0: So what but, was the what was the very first real stand-up gig you did?
1: Um, and how
0: miserable and or awesome was it?
1: My first gig was great.
0: Yeah. And um, then weird, sometimes the first ones go I mean it was that's part of the problem, right? It went so well that you loved it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I I mean, at that point, I'd already done a bunch of open mics and stuff like that. So, like, you know, I think, yeah, they always say your first show is a great show. And then the second one sucks. And it's like, for some reason, it does seem to be true for everyone. Um, Like, but I'm very hard on myself. So I never think I've had a good set, even when I've done really well, which is I need to get better about. Like, I, I am getting better about it. But, like. You can't expect to crush every night, but it does help when you see like some of the best people in the business. Uh, you know, it's incredible living in LA because you get to see, you know, Bill Burr, Jim Jeffries, uh there's like some Mark great comedy. There's some great comedy Louis going C.K. on. Right? Yeah. Like, they do pop in spots to work out new material all right. the time and you get to watch them work it out, but you also get to see that even the best comics will bomb sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like they just um it's such a difficult thing to do that no matter how good you are and like you learn from it when you don't do well. Like it, you and I record all my sets and I listen and and sometimes you're just in a weird mood but the, there's so many variables that can affect your performance. Well, just it's the, it's Just the makeup of the like audience. Just, well, you were yeah. just
0: telling me about this comedy store experience, this Monday night open mic situation that they've been doing forever, right? Right. And the potluck, which... You're basically doing stand-up for the other comics that are going to be going up and doing stand-up, essentially, with a smattering of of civilians in the audience, right?
1: Yeah, but not only that. I mean, it's a very competitive environment, so a lot of the comics aren't being supportive of each other or they're on their phones. But they make all the comics (laughs) sit around the back of the room. Um, and if, if we get any audience members, they then sit them in the front row, like in the middle of the room. So they feel uncomfortable because it's like they feel like all eyes are on them sure. almost like they're on stage.
0: It's three or four people who are it's falls on them to provide the laughter and the right. response. So, and oh, you can tell oh. they
1: feel kind of uneasy. And then. Yeah, so you have three minutes, which is not a very long time to start, like, banging out the laughs. And there's always people walking in and out, so it's a very distracting environment. It does, I mean, it makes you better. It's already known as the toughest room in the country, and then you add all of those elements. Plus, it's a Monday night Monday night football. Tell me how
0: in the world you get better doing that. I just, because it makes me, makes my skin crawl even think about it. And, I mean, I've never wanted to do stand-up, so I have trouble wrapping my head around it. But you go up and you're trying to knock. How is it? How do how can you improve from one night one monday night to the next from what you learn in that environment because i i have trouble seeing that
1: Well Is it just- when you do get laughs from them it's very re- re- rewarding i guess like you get one chuckle and you're like i'm killing it <laughs> yes. um but also you know i think part of the really good standups when they go on stage, like they're not really, they're not trying to make people laugh. Like you're just up there being yourself, doing material, but like you're just exposing your truths and your point of view and vulnerability. And like you, you can't rely on the feedback. I mean, it's great to have that feedback to feed off of, but like, um, you kind of have to learn to not give a fuck because the second you get in your head, you're fucked. Yeah, And so you have to be able to just keep going through it and be like, this doesn't matter. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm going to walk off stage. Who cares? Like it's, everyone has a bad day and it always feels like a bad day there pretty much, but it's like, it it makes you stronger <laughs> and it makes you more confident and you have to go after them. If you want anyone to listen, you have to like really bring your energy and bring your game and like engage with them you really have to talk to them not at them you can't just get up there and perform like you have to really try and engage what little audience there might be how long Um, would you
0: say you've been doing stand-up now Uh, like
1: three three and a half yeah so
0: not that long but but you but it sounds to me like you're past the point of this is something I'm going to try to. This is something I'm doing. I mean, you definitely you seem immersed in it. Your head is in it. You're working uh, at it. You're, you're, I
1: do it six nights a week. Yeah. I mean, it's all like
0: the, the work ethic now is ingrained in you. This is what well, you're doing. Well, it's an obsession. It's yeah. like you
1: love, hate, it ruins your life. And like, but you can't <laughs> believe it. It's like, it's like my.
0: Would you say you have an addictive personality, Camilla? Yes, yes, I, yes I think that's fair to say. Perhaps.
1: But. This seems like a healthier addiction slightly. (laughs) Than others that you may Um, have tried. Yes. Uh, And it, you know, I love the challenge. And especially like with all the other stuff I do, writing, acting, you know, producing, whatever. It's just project to project. So this is a way that I can stay busy all the time and keep my mind engaged and have something to do to focus on like when I don't have auditions or I don't have something I'm writing on or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, because it's not just, there are very few just pure stand ups anymore. I, I don't know that that exists. And I don't know that any, I'm going to use the a word artist. I don't know that any, because my son's going through this. He graduated from a theater school. So he's in New York and he's trying to live the actor's life, but he also does music. And mm-hmm. really all you ever hear is just, just try and create something that you have control over while you're also doing all that other stuff because if you don't if you aren't creating something for yourself then you're just sitting around waiting for somebody to discover you and that's never gonna happen right so you have to be it's a great
1: way to get exposure to like but a lot of people uh operate under the misconception that like you know there's a lot of actors that'll get out here and be like oh i'm gonna do stand-up because i'll get discovered that way (laughs) And it's so funny because I promise you it's a shortcut to nothing. Yeah. Like there's no shortcuts with stand up. What you put in is what you get out of it. Obviously, it helps have talent. It helps, you know, but you have to work your ass off to get good. There's no like overnight successes. Right. Like no one's going to see you at, a, at an open mic and be like, hey, you want to come open for Louis C.K. on the road? Like mm. because You can't fake it. Like, even if you have a great five minutes, that doesn't mean you can do a great 30 minutes. Like, it takes years of practice and, like, stage time and, like, writing and...
0: And the the guys that are doing it now, and also, I think, because of the way that media is consumed now, like a Louis C.K., maybe back in the day, that type of comic could have lived off the same act for a couple of years but louis ck does a special and he trashes it and now everybody else feels like they have to kind of live up to that too because once something's out there everybody's seen it if if it's really good
1: well and the whole thing about comedy it's the element of surprise that's what makes people laugh like you you set them up to think that you're gonna say one thing and then you say something else Mm -hmm. so once they know what you're gonna say like it's not as funny the second time i mean with some of the great stand-ups like or some of my friends, you know, whoever, like it'll make me laugh the second, third, fourth, fifth sure, time I hear it.
0: But that's because you're but, around it. And, yeah, yeah. And, but and you're coming from a different perspective. But I think the audience now, we're consuming more than we ever have. I, I don't want. Well, because it's
1: all out there. Yeah. It's on YouTube and it gets, you know, uh, regurgitated, not regurgitated, but what's the word? Like, uh, no, no, it's. Uh, circulated, it, yeah. like through every different outlet and you can watch it on your phone you can watch it anywhere you want like and I try not to put most like I don't put videos of myself doing stand up really online because
0: I noticed that I was trying to find some Mm.
1: well there's another reason for that yeah (laughs) yeah, you
0: don't you hate seeing your own stuff No, no no no
1: I um I got targeted by a group of men uh I don't even want to say the name of the website because I don't want to give them any attention. Sure, but basically, a, it's a support group for short men, um, because I do a bit of material that's so silly, and it's comedy people. Like, I mean this with no malintent. Like, I, you of know, of course not. I, and it's funny because I, I have short guy friends who they're like, "That's my favorite bit of material." But basically, I say like, you know, I I don't date short guys not because it's awkward but because they cause most of the misery in the world i mean i know it sounds bad <laughs> but i feel like i have to tell you a little no, bit I'm of right- it just so you understand how silly it is i'm
0: right there with you on
1: this go ahead i'm like you know most of the misery in the world up until this point was caused by people under five foot eight look at the dictators right napoleon hitler genghis khan stalin tom cruise Justin Bieber, Oscar Pistorius, never killed anyone till he was under five foot eight. Which is really, I know, dark. Think about all the misery caused by babies, tiny little terrorists, you know. uh, And I know what you're thinking, Osama bin Laden. Well, do you ever think maybe he was one guy sitting on another guy's shoulders? Like, why else do you wear a pup tent robe in a hundred degree heat? that's the gist of it like it's obviously yeah. very silly and po- now
0: the and the group didn't realize those were jokes is that the problem
1: oh well i end the bit by saying so that's why i have a rule when i'm dating you have to be at least five foot ten to ride this ride unless you're super rich <laughs> and terminally ill um <laughs> and they oh come so on they, they were trolling were seriously there's a whole website dedicated they had like a a smear campaign, hate campaign against me. They had a clip of me doing this bit. And of course they'd cut out the three minutes I spend making fun of being a tall woman beforehand. Uh, And every video that, was posted i was getting all of these just horrible comments like you fucking gold digger which i thought was hilarious cuz of the like unless you're super rich and they, terminally they, ill like that was like, the you're thing you're they focused answers, on <laughs> like and accusing me of heightism and like i'm a bigot and i'm th- like just horrible stuff but like um and they were tweeting at me and threatening lawsuits i'm like what are you going to sue me for hurting your feelings be a big boy <laughs> you know but i've
0: always this is the most
1: ridiculous thing i've ever heard oh i know but it it makes it even funnier to me i'm like you think that's going to stop me from doing this Oh, bit? No, no no but one of the things that i've learned you know and this is even before i started doing stand up because of uh, having a famous parent you kind of grow up getting a lot of unwanted often attention um and I made a lot of mistakes when I was younger, and people said nasty, horrible things about me on the internet. But I learned, like anyone who's a troll on the internet, all they want is attention. Right. So if you, the the thing that will hurt them the most or infuriate them the most is if you just don't, if you just ignore it, because then they're not getting any validation for their
0: yeah it horrible
1: takes- things. And they're horrible, angry people that aren't going to understand. Like, if you try and argue with them or reason with them, they're, it's not going to work.
0: No, you're not winning that battle uh, other than just kind of some so, sort of own self-satisfaction yeah. about getting the last word in, which you never would You anyway. never will. So yeah. I
1: just I just don't reply to any of the comments. But the best part was, like, underneath these comments, there were random strangers who, thank you, whoever you are, were replying to the, the support group, short guys, whatever, stuff like... Be a big boy. And so So people. Oh, you little troll. (laughs) Like all of these. Um, So, which was great because it was, I wasn't going to do it myself. But like to know that other people out there understood that this is stand up comedy, people. Like none of it's meant to be taken seriously. Well, it's,
0: it's I I think that's one of the things a world we live in now with the ability for everybody to immediately be a critic of some kind and means that anybody <laughs> yeah. anybody pushes any envelope anywhere and they're getting pushed back right away. And the response is immediate.
1: And you can even And everyone choose... thinks their opinion is worth something. Right. Which is the... Like, I... And well, I another and thing, thing the other give day, give which worth. is astonishing. Like, I posted or I uploaded a video not realizing I'd made it public... Because I wanted to edit a highlight out of it, I knew it wasn't a great set, like I just and I was up there for all of an hour, and i I got a message like, "Oh, you've got a comment on it, and I'm like, "Oh no, my heart always sinks, <laughs> and it was this guy giving this full critique of my stand up and he, like I clicked on his page, he apparently has nothing to do with comedy like yeah. and he was kind of like, "But you should keep trying, you're kind of funny, and you'll get there one day, <laughs> and I'm sitting there. He, What gives you the right... Like, why do you think I give a shit what you think? Right. You know? Like, and... I mean, but whatever. A a deep
0: analysis from just Mr. Random Guy. Yeah, and not
1: to say... I mean, audiences' opinions, of course they matter. Of course. But, like, this was... You know, I knew what was wrong with the tape. Like I, right. there, I didn't mean to make it public. I so. think the
0: you know the moment any of us make something available to the rest of the world, that is the cue for the rest of the world to say, yes, here, let me give you my complete in-depth response to everything you just said and tell you why you're wrong. I mean, it's almost always why you're wrong.
1: Oh, and the the craziest part to me is most of the mean comments I get, aside from the ones from that particular group, are stuff like you're ugly and you look like a man. And I'm like, I didn't post this saying like, hey, look at me, I'm hot. Like I posted this like, I'm putting my stand up comedy out there. Like you don't go on like Ralphie Mae's page and say like, you're not hot. Like, right? Well,
0: I'm sure he probably gets that though. You big fatty! What, what makes you think? You should, I don't I mean, know.
1: I, no, like, I think so.
0: they are just mean, ridiculous people out there in the world. Oh, uh, God. And you, guess what? You are in the profession that opens yourself up to every possible comment that you could ever expect to get. I know.
1: I did ask for it, didn't I? Yeah, you kind of did.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. What What are you doing to yourself? I don't know how you do it. And again, I go back to... I, my... I don't either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like some mornings I wake up and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> but
0: what's the good feeling? When does that come? What What keeps you going to the next thing? Other than just wanting to be better and wanting to, to develop the material and just, you know what what, what is being
1: able to make people laugh like it's such a gift like and to do that and not have to wake up early in the morning um (laughs) no i still do have to wake up early a lot of times which makes it really hard but uh you know to bring happiness to other people and i get to laugh all the time and constantly challenge myself you know what more could i ask for because that's what makes me happy and fulfills me um and, you know, I know when I've been in bad places in my life, comedy has helped me so much. So I hope that that's the case at some point, you know, when I'm better known and like people actually might be watching my stand up. Like, I'm hopeful that I'll be able to do the same. And I think it's a universal language, you know, it uh not to say, obviously, like, it would be hard to do in different languages and, and so on and so forth. But like funny is funny. And, mm-hmm. y- you know, at least in all the other English speaking countries, it's something we can all agree <laughs> on in general. Right. You know? Um,
0: so where do you think you are right now in the strata of what standup is? You're, you're still having to go do these potluck things, but you do have these other shows that you're a part of. You're, you're.
1: I'm getting there. Like I'll do anything for stage time. I'm a total stage time whore basically so you know i do a ton of open mics still um i know my place like i i work really hard at it but i'm like a a newer opening act level um and it takes a long time like it's just one of those things it's really frustrating and like one day you feel like you've made a breakthrough and then you'll feel like you're plateauing forever and you're not funny and like but you know, I'm getting there, and I I know it's a slow process, and I'm impatient, so that's that's a big. Well, of course you are. Obstacle. Otherwise, you but wouldn't... I'm always doing other stuff too, which yeah. keeps me sane.
0: Actually, you know? you're. I mean, I've one thing that you can see Camilla do is some of the. You just did the Uptown uh, Funk, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> which is great. But the uh, um, the thing that I really liked. Um, I thought it was really good. That I think you had a hand in writing as well. In well as well is the gratitude. Uh, oh short. yeah,
1: I wrote that one um, and with, the Christmas one. Yeah, um,
0: they're, they're really good. Uh, thank You're you. real. Those are really funny. Real. I, I totally. I don't want to say hear your dad because you shouldn't always be compared to that, but there is, there is there's a,
1: definitely elements of him. in there's that kind humor. Of, yeah. There's this the dryness. Yeah. There's a and dry, the sickness. <laughs> but,
0: but also there's this satirical edge to it. That's not overplayed. Um, the, the gratitude one in particular could have been heavy caricature of right. those, the, those people. And it wasn't, it didn't go where I expected it. And, and you're a really good actor too.
1: Oh, thank you. Um,
0: but that's, there's some sharp stuff in there and I, that's, Thank I was you. Real I really impressed appreciate with that. that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I wrote that one. I actually wrote it a different version of it, and we did it on stage for a show I did. Um, and then my friend Sid, who has a pretty big YouTube following, wanted to do one. So we I sort of rewrote it and tailored it more towards like an L.A. girls Thanksgiving. <laughs> but it's amazing how many people apparently from the comments thought that that was like like us, really, like who we were. Like they were just like those are horrible people, and I'm like, wow. And Maybe they were, were like, too
0: dry. I don't, I don't yeah, know they, People they don't were, understand subtlety. It,
1: oh, it was cracking me up. They're like, oh, they shouldn't be making light of suicide. And I don't know if you remember the end of the video, yes, like, yes. where I threatened to throw myself off the balcony because right. I'm upset, and yeah, and and she's like. We live on the second floor.
0: <laughs> Maybe it's short or broken, broken ankle Max.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um like it, it's not we're not making fun of suicide. We make we're basically parodying LA women in general like just how ridiculous it can be. Um
0: You have got to stop reading comments. Have you learned that yet? Do you understand? Oh, I don't
1: read but like every once in a while like on something like that. I'll read them just because they're funny. Like not because it like hurts my feelings, but because like, oh my god, like some of the stuff people really think that's who we are, and I'm like, do you not understand what like this is comedy? Yeah, like this is not us being real. These are characters that we wrote to make fun of things.
0: I'm trying to figure out what. If it's generational or if it's, uh, you know, something in somebody's DNA or there's something we can narrow down the people who just don't get it. I I don't understand how you can't. I mean, it's one thing if you didn't think it was funny or or, and if there's something that's edgy that you were offended by or whatever. But somebody who just doesn't get it, who doesn't understand. It's interesting.
1: I mean, I think you can usually tell from how the comments are written whether it's going to be a good comment or a bad comment mm-hmm. cuz usually the bad comments are like almost illegible because the the grammar and spelling, <laughs> spelling is so, so bad, bad and they're like I don't get this, you know, like these people are these bitches are dumb, I hope someone murders them, that kind of shit. Oh good. Um yeah, yeah. lots of happy things like that. <laughs> but like I I generally feel like the the more intelligent comments where they've spelled basic words correctly and you know uh like <laughs> written in sentences and stuff they usually are the positive ones so that makes me feel better Good. you know i want what how
0: can we end this on a positive note i feel like we've talked about nothing but demons and trolls and bad things and uh um I wanna... Did you see
1: the Christmas one? By the way, that's my favorite. With the
0: with the kid, they where they give I, away the kid. Where I yes. try to give
1: my kid away. Yes. <laughs>
0: and of course, you probably have you know uh, the parents groups you know all upset over you as well, <laughs> or adoption agencies who <laughs> yeah. are you know going to uh, my you're a troublemaker. I this know. is what uh, of all things. This is what you got from your dad because he does come from a group of people where even now you watch their stuff. And it might be a little more tame compared to what we're used to seeing, but they were they were really but bothering people. I mean, they yeah. were they were offending everything right and left at the yeah. End their time. I mean,
1: but back in their day for sure, it was interesting because I did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year. Yeah, and it was really cool. It kind of felt like a full circle thing because my dad started out there and then fifty years ago, basically, and right. then at the beginning of the summer, he had his Monty Python reunion at the O2, which is like the huge stadium there. Yes, like eighteen thousand people, whatever.
0: I was at the Universal City Walk. I, I oh, can no. say so. I can say I attended. Oh really? Yeah, the, the live, you know. Uh, oh, did you so, see it? I was
1: there. yeah. Oh, cool! Yeah. Very cool. In univer- um,
0: Universal City. Right. Sure.
1: But um. But yeah, that it was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and he made that crack about the editor-in-chief of the Daily Mail. I don't know if you caught that. Yes. Like in the middle of the dead parrot sketch, basically, yes. out of the blue. About- she, yeah. ad Yeah. hmm Well, that was awesome, because then, like, a month later, cut to my opening night in Edinburgh, my first time performing in the UK. Who's in the audience? Oh. <sighs> yeah that did not make my life easier and they regurgitated a lot of my set and but they basically made it sound like i was just standing on a street corner yelling like they failed to mention i was really doing stand-up comedy (laughs) and i talk about my family a lot so it was basically like i was some crazy person berating my family which when i'm saying you know in print, it comes across very differently from how... Well, plus, if you if does. you mess up the wording, it changes the whole meaning of the joke, and it's not funny anymore. It just is mean or weird, and...
0: Oh, God, stand-up being Ugh. directly on the page doesn't...
1: I thought I might get disowned for a minute, <laughs> but then, you know, fortunately, my dad is a comic, and he gets it. Um,
0: but, and so how many people have accused you of, of oh, but nepotism, my, thing too, the, Uh.
1: Sorry, just quickly because no, my for it. my point for that whole story was we got a lot of his fans because they were publicizing it as John Cleese's daughter. So what was edgy forty years ago? <laughs> it's a little different from what's edgy now. Yep. Um, it, it was still great fun, you know, but a lot of them were much older, and some of the stuff we were saying, you could tell they were a bit. <laughs> um, because <laughs> there were two other comics on my show who are also quite dark. Um great really funny comics court mccown and sarah tiana but you know i don't think my dad's fans were quite prepared for some of the things that came out of her mouth (laughs) but uh but it was a a great experience it was really fun
0: did they think that they were going to show up and you were going to reenact the cheese shop or something and uh who knows oh wow i mean that's, you know, you've got a weird thing going on there. There's a weird dynamic there because there are people who will accuse you of taking advantage of nepotism while at the same time you're under the pressure of having somebody who is a comedy legend uh, as your last name that you have to embrace while also not let that kind of weigh you down. And um, not,
1: you know, people can want to dislike me because of it, if that makes sense. That, like yeah. just Unfairly unf- judging like, you. I hate even saying that, but like... People just don't like offspring of celebrities, yeah, generally no. speaking. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it is. There's an upsides to, and downsides, obviously. Sure. Like it was free publicity, great, but then I have all this pressure, and, you know, I'm a new comic, and, and, Like, oh, she's only getting this opportunity because of that. And I get a lot of that. But the nice thing about stand-up is it has enabled me to establish myself as a separate entity. And I feel like it's the one thing that I do where people really can't say, oh, he's doing it for her, giving her. Because like I said, there's no shortcuts. He also never did stand-up. Right. Thank God. It's (laughs) the one thing I I have for myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and
0: ultimately it just comes down to the material I mean right. if you're up there it's a
1: good way to prove myself because yeah. there's he's not on stage holding my hand and whispering in my ear what to say next you know mm-hmm. um, and and that that part I really appreciate about it but I still hear all the time that you know it gets back to me and people say oh she just gets these spots because John Cleese's daughter blah 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 well people are gonna talk I mean especially the second you get any success you get even more of it so it's like
0: no if anything you you, if anything within the comedy community within the you know you're right it, they might may think in terms of they've got a marketing ploy but they may also uh, think of it as you know a negative negative. and so you've got you've got a little bit of a battle there to layer on to everything else that's hard about stand up well good luck Camilla Thanks. for thank comedy. you <laughs> No, but you're doing it and uh
1: just as an amputee or like
0: <laughs> Yeah, let's cover all the bases. Let's mm. offend as many people as possible here. So where can people find you and see you in the coming weeks, months? Do you um do you do the open mics all the time?
1: No, I mean I have shows most nights too. Uh let's see, doing the Laughing Skull Festival in in Atlanta. Lots of dates. I always tweet about them or they're on my Facebook. So at Camilla Cleese, uh, C-A-M-I-L-L-A-C-L-E-E-S-E. Same thing on Facebook, only with a space and no at sign at the beginning.
0: And CamillaCleese.com eventually.
1: In the next couple of weeks. I've been promised. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I'm always, Always doing shows around LA, and and if I'm on the road, I'm tweeting about it, and maybe tweeting from my dad's account about it because he has way more followers.
0: <laughs> oh, how smart is that? Yeah. Well, get on there and tell him about this podcast. Man. Shh. And I'll see what extra. I can do. Yeah. All right. cool. Get a monkey. Get a monkey.